My name is Rachel White, and people call me the Skeptical Shaman. They say it like it's a contradiction, but it's not. For more than a decade, I've been researching and building tools for the spiritually homeless. You know, the curious but critical thinking people that, like me, have had a tough time navigating a landscape of gurus and grifters and crystal heavy people, searching for a way to fill what Neil Gaiman called that God-shaped hole, all while, of course, not getting taken. As the host of the Skeptical Shaman podcast, I want to help us all develop a map of this confusing terrain. I'm going to talk to everybody, the curious, the skeptical, the cynical, and yes, even the true believers. Together, we can safely explore the world of Wu and get closer to some meaningful existential truths. This is The Skeptical Shaman. And now, a word from our sponsors. Are you feeling stuck, frustrated, or disconnected in the humdrum of everyday life? Wondering where all the magic went? Is there an ancient Sumerian demon whispering Zul from inside your refrigerator, leaving you with a palpable sense of looming dread every night? Are eldritch terrors acting up and gazing back at you from the void? Well, the totem tarot deck might be right for you. One shuffle of these magical cards can transport you to a realm of unending adventure, providing crucial breadcrumbs as you navigate the strange and inevitable spiritual scavenger hut of life. Purchase the totem tarot deck from Etsy or Amazon, then just unwrap, shuffle, and watch as the high strangeness grows from within your daily life. The Totem Tarot Deck. What's your totem? Disclaimer. The Totem Tarot Deck is connected to an ancient source of otherworldly metaphysical power. If you use the Totem Tarot Deck, you understand that you may experience dimensional drift. Use responsibly. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Skeptical Shaman Podcast. I am joined yet again by fan favorite, Season two guest, Nicole Bigley of A Psychic Story and the new book, Looking for Angels, which we were just chatting about, is going to be the Totem Book Club pick for February. Just announced that on Substack. I'm really excited to read it. I'm almost disappointed I didn't read it before this, but I try and save it. So I'm reading it at the same time as the other kids on Substack and we're all having the experience together. But thank you for joining. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me back, Rachel. I appreciate it. I appreciate you as a real psychic and someone (laughs) who actually does this work and as I did for a very long time, manages a day job. I I couldn't imagine doing what I was doing before doing Totem and a podcast, especially at the level you're doing it. So maybe we'll start there really quickly before we dig into the Year of the Dragon, the Angel Book, all this other fun stuff happening. How do you manage your self-care and your boundaries just with these? These are all big full-time jobs that you're doing concurrently. How do you navigate that for yourself? That's a great question. And I would say that the first thing is when I had my full-time job, I didn't have the podcast. I wasn't writing the book. I wasn't doing sessions. I really went all in on my job. And to the point where it wasn't just eight-hour days, 9, 10, 12-hour days, weekends, all of that, because I don't know, we just, I thought as an American and as a human being, that's what we're taught we're supposed to do. And it really, as I started to add additional things to my plate, but it was spiritually led, I was asking my spirit team and also going within intuitively, and it was, 
you do more work than most people in a day anyway. So why the 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-hour days was the first thing. But also it was about just starting to use my intuition to find those priorities. And so in some instances, the podcast had to take a back burner. In some instances, my job, you know, I needed to take some time to really use that PTO or whatever to work on those things. So it was about finding the balance, but it wasn't easy. There were times where I was, you know, I felt like I was going to lose my mind in some aspects, but also it was asking for that support. And I don't mean from people around me as much as it was universe and spirit and source of, okay, if I'm feeling divinely led and guided to do these things, help me not only make this a priority, but have the days unfold to where then I'm not feeling guilty that I'm not doing enough or I'm not approaching and all of those things. So, and just being honest, I think we were talking about before this chat about having those boundaries too of, uh, you know, I, I hate to say I'm busy. I don't have time. It's not that. It's just being very mindful when you are present and doing something that you're there for the people that are coming to you, friends, family, clients, but yeah. also all the others. And so that's how I approached it. But it was a really difficult, but in a beautiful way, eight months in being able to write the book, do the podcast and have the full time job. You know, I heard something from a comedian actually. I always like to get accidental advice from unexpected sources. <laughs> and it was one of those things like you always know it, but you, you've never heard it articulated so powerfully before. And he said, if you say yes to everything, you're not actually saying yes to everything. You are by default saying no to a lot. And so when mm -hmm. you're, because he was touring and making money, you know, and when you're a comedian, you struggle. For a long time, you don't know if you're going to, you're basically a clown and living in like mm -hmm. a studio apartment. So it's very hard to say no when things really pick up, but also you're a carbon-based life form. Comedians, they're, they're not psychics, but I do think a lot of them are empaths, which is why they like making people happy because it probably makes them feel good and happy and they're very on. And people have parasocial relationships with them, just like they do with podcast hosts and personalities and influencers and things like that. And he realized like he was going, 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 and he was drinking too much, eating too much, like overcompensating. And tr I think personally, when I heard it, like trying to ground his energy, oh, yeah. eat, uh -huh. mm -hmm. it's my thing to put me back in my body. It's I always schedule it as my buffer, my transition, my day, getting food, becoming a human again, all that good stuff. And yeah, so I've started when I say yes or no, it's one of those spiritual energetic boundaries now i treat mundane reality the way i would spirit and i'm like all right if i say yes to this what am i saying no to somewhere in my life right yeah and also do you find like people who get into this line of work whether it's a podcast or doing psychic kind of work psychic maybe spiritual coaching whatever there's this real emphasis on scale all the time and i'm like i don't really why yeah, to make money, I guess. But don't you kind of want to be present with your with what you're doing, with show you mean up like with building an people. empire or what yeah. the next and thing looks like? Yes, absolutely. Train the trainer and these all this stuff, and I'm like, I get it, I guess, abstractly. But also, as a human, I don't know. I just the sense of scale. I don't know what that would give me back except more money, and I'm not, you know, homeless right now. I'm fine. <laughs> 
Well, it's really funny, not funny, really, it's synchronicity that you bring this up because a couple days ago, I really felt, I'm sure a lot of people, so when we're recording, this is what, January 20th, the last couple days in the first half of the year, I felt, I don't want to say icky, but just irritable. And the energy has just been very intense. Something where normally I haven't, I can be able to shake it. I haven't been able to, or at least now I did today, but those last 48 hours and I just sat with it and I was like, what am, what's happening? And I just got this message about, I think I was getting overloaded with all of the psychics and the mediums and all of the other practitioners out there that are saying, here's a new year, here's a new course, here's a new yeah. you. Here's, and again, I'm not knocking any of that by any means to your point in question, I guess, about scale, but it is about the more you're present and you are approaching things and it grows from an energetic abundance of being with a person or being in a group, then that naturally works itself out versus more of, um, I don't know, pyramid type of scheme or yeah. getting people oh, no, hooked on things. And it just, totally. and, and they don't call it that. They don't call it Mary Kay. They don't call it an ML, you know, an, what is it? Multi-level marketing. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Multi-level marketing, all of that. They don't call it that, but this is exactly what it is. And so I was just kind of getting like an ego and a little irritated about that. Mm -hmm. And because I have been thinking about if I wanted to do this stuff full time and I'm not feeling led to do it full time for a variety of reasons, but part of it is, is I don't want to sell out. I don't want that to have to be the thing that gets me my food or my whatever. And so it's just a cycle that I I do think a lot of people, whether you decide you want to be a practitioner full time or if you're just on your own personal spiritual journey and you want to be, have a purpose and, and be more in terms of service to community, but we tend to struggle with that, I, yes. I think. Yeah, and that's we're going to talk about boundaries today. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about angels, dragons, and boundaries. Oh, my. It'll be fun. <laughs> but with regard to that selling out thing, I, I, I was very intentional about it. I can make money other ways, just like you can a lot of other people, right? If I'm going to do this full time, there's no navigating away from the North Star. Because why ruin something that I genuinely believe in, love about, love and, and care about? Why do that? It, you know, if the point is scaling and making money, I can find easier, trust me, ways to do that that don't bum me out and make me feel like I've ruined this special little jewel that I've I've kept with me my whole life, right? And it's it's an interesting phenomenon. I've had a few people approach me with things and I'll be like, no, no, thanks. I'm good. And I had someone say, you know, I don't understand why you're so afraid to scale. And that's totally MLM language. They teach them that, by the way, in their training. And I was like, yeah, I'm not afraid of it. I, I know how to do business and I'm just not. I'm, I build resilient systems that are authentic and aligned with me and my my spiritual purpose. And she goes, well, but this isn't not in the line, you know, I'm just making noise and kind of spinning plates, snake charming, sort of, or trying to. And it was funny. I said, you know, what you're not understanding is all these, uh, quote, imaginary friends. I talk to all these spirit guides, all these beings, all these things. I go, I actually believe in. And I said, and what I don't think you're understanding is I know that they see me when no one is around. And I'm being maybe not judged is the word, but. Like I'm exposed. My ethics, I think, are open to spirit. They see me. They see what I'm doing and my intentions. And that I'll call you matters. on your your BS. <laughs> yeah, and it matters to me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm actually mm-hmm. ethical. I may not be religious or, or traditionally morally ethical in some of those religious systems necessarily, but in my own way, I am. And like I mean it. And she was just like it didn't land or something. She's like, yeah, but 
what we can do is pay you for referrals. I'm like, this is like not happening. And finally, I just had to go. But um, it was an interesting experience because I was like, oh, people hear me say I'm a shaman. They watch me do the thing. But some part of them doesn't get that like that's it's actually real for me. Baked. Yeah, it's baked into your soul and your essence. And and going back to what you're saying, yes or no, I think people tuning into their own intuition and what speaks to their soul and re- what resonates is ultimately the thing, you know, that yeah. you you do need to use that as your North Star. Yeah. And also they're not looking out for you. They're not trying mm-hmm. to give you a great business opportunity. They're looking out for them. They're selling something. They want to make money. They want to build, you know, eminence or whatever it is. And so remembering that everybody out there is selling something is an important thing to keep in mind, especially as you navigate the woo landscape during a bad economy. Because a lot oh, of people are going to yeah. suddenly get the call from spirit, right? They're going to get that Holy Ghost is going to visit them. But and also a in- lot of, yeah, but also a lot of people are, you, we were talking about this right before you hit record is they want to go because they're struggling with something. Yeah. They go to a practitioner because they've experienced a loss, job, loved one, whatever. Yeah. And, and so there's this, there's this disparity. I don't have the money, but I'm going to spend it. Because I need that lifeline yeah. and I'm going to go. And then that's where the ethical aspect of things needs to come into play more. And right at that moment, there's <laughs> going to be an influx of unethical practitioners mm-hmm. that understand that people are desperate and maybe they don't have a job anymore either. And they're not going to be that um, that cool about it. And they're into they, I think a lot of people think being a tarot card reader, in my case, to boil it down to its uh, lowest common denominator or psychic or whatever it is, that it's an easy way to make a living. I've never worked harder in my life. You know this. <laughs> I don't have to I preach it to the choir right now. And anybody listening to this who's doing this work, it's it's rough, man. And not like financially rough. It's energetically, physically rough. It's a lot of dealing with people. It's a lot of dealing with people in crisis and hardship. You're holding space. Yeah. You're holding space for them. And when you don't think that even myself, and I'm trying to come from a humble place, but even myself who's been doing this since a child for the most part, I'm like, I got this. I got this. It's not a big deal. And then later I'm like, oh, wow, I this did hit me a little bit harder or I do need to recharge or I need to do these things, even when you do all the steps you need to take to get there. So it's just we're learning and growing just as much as the next person, but it does yeah. take that effort that, to your point, people don't realize how much it does it can take out not all the time but it can take it out of us yeah and just you know you care mm-hmm. when you care you put a lot more of your energy into what you're doing and i always describe it to my husband as i feel like i, I leave it all on the field every day cuz i played a lot of team sports you know and that coach always saying like leave it all on the field you know you got more in that gas tank and and there's a satisfaction to that feeling and it's it's good but you do need boundaries which brings us to the topic of boundaries because mm-hmm. you let me just look at this again someone's or or people or there's a there's a theme of setting energetic boundaries is bs yeah so let's talk I, about that yeah so thank you for bringing that up because sometimes when i hear it whether it i say it if I hear something from someone else in the spiritual community or practitioner or whatever, I always go, one of my things is, does that resonate with me or does it, res- does it not resonate with me? I always go back to my inner self. Just because somebody told me or said something doesn't mean I'm automatically going to believe it or jump on that bandwagon. And one of the things in the book that I write about in Looking for Angels is setting our energetic boundaries is really important. 
And so I'd written, you know, a part of that. And then I hear this from a practitioner about boundaries is, you know, setting its BS because if you're of the light and you are empowered and you are coming from a, a place of strength, you don't need to set boundaries. You don't need to set boundaries with a person that might be abusing you. You don't need to set boundaries when you're going into a session to heal or whatever, because that's already an automatic point minus against you because you're already expecting that something's going to happen. And I guess in the grand scheme of things, I understand and I get it. But yeah. also we deal in the real effing world. <laughs> you know, we're like, so it's a mixture of like 10 red flags. And I'm yeah, down yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I but but I'm not again, this is not coming from a place of ego or judgment. I took the no, information but- of okay, well, is this something I need to look at differently? And is this something that from my heart and soul and spirit team, do I find to be true? And I just heard no, like we do need, depending on where you are in your spiritual growth and journey, you are learning just like a child. Don't stick your finger in that light socket. <laughs> you know, you're going to get shocked. Don't, you know, there's certain things. And I have found especially, and I guess the best way to use this as an example is when you were asking about how do you balance all of that or what did you do when you have a full-time job and a podcast and a book? That is boundaries. That is also setting the priorities and being very clear with yourself and with others, the human others, but also your spirit team and universe, what that looks like. So I just personally feel that that's extremely important. And I do also think it's part of our spiritual laws that are out there. When we intend and put the focus and the intention out there, what we expect comes back to us and vice versa. So I'm curious as far as what you think. But when I heard that, it just didn't sit right with me. And and I went through the the spiral of what do I think and <laughs> what's it, the reality it's an interesting of things. combination of a lot of things, toxic um, elements in the spiritual community, to me, my opinion. One of them is toxic positivity. If you are of the light, whatever that means, nothing can hurt you. It, it's magical thinking. It's unrealistic. I don't think it's rooted in reality. Um, and I don't there's think it's, evil, it's there's helpful. evil in the world. You know, there's all those other things. Yes. I mean, you just can't. I saw a post that you did. But yeah, continue. Yeah, Sorry. just because your vibe aside doesn't mean <laughs> like, you know, your your high vibe didn't stop the Holocaust. You know what I mean? Like things happen. There is evil. And you have to be present here in, in material reality, even if you don't believe in spiritual evil. Human beings are capable of it. And we're surrounded by them. And you're going to be interacting with them. The second thing that struck me is the idea of like the intention setting and that manifesting your reality. This is that, you know, the secret James Earl Ray, I think is his name, nonsense. Mm -hmm. Um, And there is some, just like with anything, there's some truth to everything. There's a kernel of it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that gets distorted. And this man who came up with this whole like, you know, if you just, if you manifest it, if you set your intentions, it shows up stuff, served jail time for killing people at a retreat. Because his toxic positivity and his ego prevented him from listening to people who told him the sweat lodge he was putting together for these retreat participants was dangerous and it was too hot and people couldn't get out and people died. And he would, I think the charge was manslaughter or something. So it wasn't like first degree murder. But, you know, what blows me away about that side note is he's out of prison. He's back on the coaching, uh, you know, motivational speaker circuit. And now his new selling point, his new tagline is, if I can go to jail and endure all of this, you can survive and endure anything. And I'm like, people's family members are dead, bro. Zero shame, totally narcissistic behavior, no compassion or empathy for, you know, like taking a, taking a beat to just kind of maybe shut up 
And here's what I learned from those. Here's how yeah, I none of that. just what he learned was I've always been right and I'm super right. And I'm you a white man. I'm, I'm so a white right. man. I can do these things and I can get out of yeah. it. Pretty get awesome. And then jump. the last one that that struck me, and I've interacted with some people who are who are into this, is there's a superstitious component to it, which I know is a funny thing for me to criticize being <laughs> a shaman. And today I did like a feng shui consultation, which is like you live in a number seven house, and this is your bagu up for this, and putting don't put a mirror in your bedroom. So I understand the the irony and the paradox of it, but I guess what I'm getting at is a belief that's devoid of personal experience or material reality that you think if you just believe it, believe it, believe it, and it's sort of almost an obsessive, compulsive, or religious way, it's faithfully going to keep you from harm, like an amulet. And I don't personally like working with people that way. And I've, I've had to navigate this where, you know, I had an uh, unfortunate encounter with a negative entity this year that kind of blew my socks off. A client brought it in. And, you know, I did like, too. Yeah, they were off the chain mm-hmm. this past year. Mm-hmm. I live in the energetic Fort Knox. <laughs> like this place, I have holy water. I have things everywhere. I, you know, cleanse myself, my space. Everything's boundary conscious, consent oriented. And she, it got in here. And I think she knew it. She kind of buried the lead. And I did some research on the being and I was like, oh, my God, like this is Sumerian, Babylonian kind of stuff. This is old stuff. And I was talking to somebody and uh, he said, well, I mean, don't you just surround yourself in white light? And I go, Moses had a hard time with this thing. Jesus Christ had a hard time. Are you better than (laughs) Moses? And he got really quiet. I was just like, this is one of those moments like of, you know, we have our tools, we do our things. I, I got it moved out, right, eventually. It was. It just takes time, and you just got to keep doing certain things. Sort of like pest control. You got a mm-hmm. cockroach infestation. I was gonna say cockroaches. They just yeah. You got to know when to quit. Every day. Yeah. You got. You can't leave crumbs out. You got to. You know, mm-hmm. it's a whole effort for a while, and then it gets easier. But yeah, that struck me. And he was always this this individual, really big on this manifestation intention. Every you know, and he also had a criticism of like, well, I don't get people to sign waivers because then then bad things will happen to you. But I'm like, no, I'm sorry. Like that's, now we're getting into weird, it's almost religious thinking of, and I, I just can't with that. And so I, so you had a negative entity hang with you. I, I, haven't, ta- I, haven't, I haven't talked about it because I want to keep the client's you know, the confidentiality to Mm -hmm. it. So I'll try and be a little bit broad, but I normally when I go into a session and I prepare and I'm sure you do the same thing. I prepare ahead of time. I'm doing some, some things and I'll get a hit like, and by the way, I would say 99, 80% of people, 98% of people that come to me, it's all of the light. And I don't, I don't deal with that stuff. That's just not something I do. But if I do and I feel like there's like heavy energy or something else that needs to be happening, it's usually trauma or it's something else and it's healing. 100%. Yeah. In the very, very rare instance that something comes up, I clear it before I even get in the session. And then I have the ethical decision of do I tell someone that that was the case or do I just let it go because of whatever? In this instance, in my situation, she was very aware of it and just didn't tell mm-hmm. me ahead of time. Yeah, so some people will. Yeah, a couple. Yeah. yeah, a couple of people, but this person didn't know, and I yeah. got in, and and also, and my spirit team didn't tell me. Michael didn't tell me. I'm just like I'm preparing and I'm going in, and 
all of a sudden I just got this something's around, something's happening. And essentially, the, in short, it was someone she went to for a healing session and this person just took energy and implanted something on her. And it was day after day. It was off of her and it didn't attach to me, but it was I could feel this mm -hmm. person, this other practitioner sending me negative energy for days yeah. and weeks. I was sick. My dog got sick. My dog actually died. <laughs> I mean, it was this is when my dog had his seizure. Yeah, that's I, I saw, and I and that, about this. yeah, yeah, I was messing. Yeah, and I didn't know, and I didn't want to say, and what. So anyway, yeah. it's a very real that's thing. Uncanny. I'm so sorry yeah. about your dog, by the it's way. It's okay. I mean, she was she was ill, but this was what yeah. pushed her over the edge. But anyway, the whole thing is that, and then this client was texting me like, "I feel that," and I'm like, "Stop! Like, we're good. You're good." I didn't want to tell her. I'm still yeah. dealing with them, and you're good. Right. <laughs> I'm like, fine. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm still dealing with it, but I don't want to put her in fear. But yeah, it was just crazy. And I it was I, a solid week and it was yeah. all consuming. A utility mm -hmm. ball fell over, almost set our neighbor's house on fire while they were out of town. They're Christians, by the way, very devout. We're very good friends with them. And I thought that was interesting <laughs> that their house almost caught on fire. The utility pole hung over our bedroom. Oh my gosh. So, and it was dead summer in Texas, which means we didn't have air conditioning because the mm -hmm. utility, you know, company had to turn it off. We didn't have internet. I mean, this is like in addition to what we're dealing with. And I was like, okay, we're in it. Uh, I didn't get sick, but I was not happy. Um, I was also stunned that I didn't get a warning this time. And it felt like I didn't, something changed I didn't, this yeah. mm -hmm. past year. And I asked Archangel Michael about it. And he's like, we're in a bit of a spiritual war. Things are, it's a hot war now. It's not a cold war. And uh, the bad guys are, they're up against the ropes. So, you know, in my case, I won't get into the details, but I made it very angry, which was a win for Team Good, <laughs> by the way. Side note. Yeah. Uh, and this, this poor lady was like, my husband wants to come in. I'm like, I need a break. Uh, no offense, but you weren't kidding. And I need a minute. And she was very cool about it. It was like you you kind of buried the lead. This is not. But why didn't you get a one. warning? I mean, I get well, the. So what did he say? Because he went silent on me kind of like this. Like, mm, I don't. Yeah. I, I know what I think. But what did he say in your situation? Well, Michael was like, we're really busy dealing with this. Like, this is not a one off. Mm, this is mm -hmm. a lot of people. And just now you sort of affirm that are having this experience. Sorry, we're handling it. What was funny was Odin's reaction. Because, you know, you don't think of Odin as being, you know, this uh, force for light necessarily. Mm -mm. And he was livid. And the quote, something like, when I get a hold of him, it's going to, I'm going to eat him ass first or something. And I was like, pagan deities are different. They're different. And I was like, thanks, buddy. He's like, you're welcome. I got to go. And I was like, all right. But they were out of character across the board. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, everything yeah. was intense and interesting. And I contemplated, I'm not even kidding, I contemplated briefly for a couple days here and there closing totem. I was like, I don't need to do this to myself. This is like, the stakes of this are so high. This is wild. And then got through it. I was like, I'm fine. I was just fear talking. And I wonder if that was part of its mm -hmm. design was mm -hmm. to kind of take me off the uh, game board. Yeah. Not just I think, me, but yeah. other people. I think that's part of it. But the reason that you know, I know you felt led to share and I share it is because I have energetic boundaries every time I go into a session mm -hmm. or whatever it is. And yeah. whether there's the, the the thought and the school thought of if, well, if you do that, you're inviting something in or not. I don't care because 
I went into that session with every single intention and energetic boundary and I still had that happen. Granted, the client and everything else is fine and, you know, everything's right size. But there's a there's a I feel like going back to what you were saying, the bad advice out there is there's a really real thing that's happening and things that are happening and you can't go into it eyes wide shut. Like everything's all sunshine, rainbows and butterflies and just whatever. I'm of the light and I'm protected. Well, the experience (laughs) that woke me up, you know, I was psychic when I was a child like you shut it off. I was, you know, as I joke, a devout atheist, just working and living in a nice little apartment in Lincoln Park in Chicago and didn't own a set of tarot cards, didn't have a Ouija board, wasn't doing any of this. And I, you know, had a life changing experience with a negative entity in my building and my neighbors had similar experiences. We all talked about this. Mm -hmm. These are not woo people. And I wasn't doing anything to invite it in. And so it wasn't my intention that manifested it. And there is something to the quantum field and all of that. And manifestation work is fun and it's interesting, but it's not the only reality. And, you know, anything that gets you in your myopia or you start restricting your your thinking and you get dogmatic, it's it's not good for you, no matter Mm -hmm. what it is, Mm -hmm. right? And to that end, by the way, my my dragon totem animal that I've had since I was a child manages my energetic boundaries. So we're heading into the year of the wood dragon. You and I both have dragons. Dragons are cool. (laughs) I've never had so many messages on social media about dragons since doing your podcast. So let's so many people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Um, my, my dragon, one example of how it manages my boundaries is I was facilitating a group workshop in Chicago, which we were just talking about because we apparently share a client from the day is when I did this, which is a while ago. And, uh, one of my good friends who's Reiki certified meant well, she knew I was tired. She knew it was a big room. I've had a long day already. And without my permission started doing Reiki on me during the workshop. And I didn't know this. I had no idea. I didn't sense anything, whatever. And I'm uh, getting the last one with the yoga studio owner afterwards and like food. And I get a text from her and she goes, are you mad at me? I was like, oh my God, no, I just saw you. We had a great time, right? And she goes, okay, because I sent you, I was trying to do some Reiki on you. And I saw this big black dragon and it growled at me. (laughs) And I was like, well, she's doing her job, my dragon. She is telling you you don't have permission. <laughs> yeah, no one's mad at you and you're fine and I'm fine. I said, but that's, I said I wasn't even aware of it. She's around my energy body, just managing that that boundary. And then another quick story, and I really want to hear about you, your dragon, your client's dragons, if if and when they've shared it and it's kind of mm-hmm. public. But um, I tried to get an Akashic record reading once in my life. So by the way, out there, if anyone does Akashic record work and you think you can perforate this and help me, I would love the experience. Um, and the the woman who's done other Reiki and psychic work for me in the past goes, uh-oh. You know, she's got a very nice, upbeat voice. And I go, oh, what? She goes, well, so your record, I can't get to it because there's a large black dragon sitting on it telling me I don't have the level of access I need to get to your record to read it for you. And I was like this makes more sense than you think. Like I ended up comforting her and she's like, I'll, I'll refund you. I'm so sorry. It's like, this is actually really interesting and really valuable. And I'd love to pay for your time. Everything's cool. And I told her about my totem animal and she was blown away. She had no idea. None of these people did. And so in terms of managing boundaries, it would seem one of the themes with 
dragons and going into the year of the dragon, they really help with that. So I'd love to hear more about your dragon. Does yours help yeah. with your boundaries? Uh, so when we talked, I believe it was on a psychic story on my podcast. Yeah. And however it came up, it came up and you explained you had a dragon. I was like, I do too. And it was the first time I shared it because not that I was afraid to. I was just like, it felt weird. You know, like no one yeah. else I had heard. It's like, you have angels. Yeah, people can grasp that concept. Even fairies are elementals. But dragons, like, is that a real thing? Is that a made up thing? Like, you know, Game of Thrones, whatever. Well, is so, that the good team? Because it sounds kind of scary. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Especially because mine's black too. Mine ha yeah. is like big and black and not like, you know, light filled kind of thing. So, but energetically it feels, she feels safe and all of that. What's interesting, I did not tell you this. I saved this for the interview is that after you and I talked, have you heard of Kaya Ra? Yeah. Ray? Yeah. Okay. I have a friend who did feng shui work for her. Okay. Yeah. So I ended up, so she has this book. I'm blanking on the name. I eventually want to have her. Yes. Did you know she has the drag the Sophia Dragon Tribe? I am aware of that. Yeah. Okay. So, but I did not know. So, at, like, literally, maybe a week after you and I talked, I am going through the airport and I downloaded her book, and I'm like, "Yep, yeah, no, I'm skipping." You know, I'm like, "This chapter, this mm -hmm. chapter. Why am I listening to this book? As I'm like busy, I'm traveling, all that." And it, the very last chapter is about the Sophia Dragon Tribe. And the Sophia dragons or the dragons are to basically specially protect light workers and healers and other people that are oh, doing chills right mm -hmm. now. Yeah. And I was like walking through the airport listening. I was like, holy crap, what? So I feel that, and I'm not saying you're special, I'm special. It's not that level of things other than, or maybe we are, but that dragons, if they're on our spirit team, have like what Michael would be or Odin for you, heavy hitters. You're going to have yep. certain energy and energetic beings that are on your team to help protect you, guide you, whether it's boundaries or it's just whatever, whether you know it or not. And I just, it was one of those moments where I was like, okay, I don't quite understand yet what all this means, but the lines and how everything was just, again, lining up or those breadcrumbs was just so beautiful. And then, yes, after the episode, multiple people were like, I have a dragon too or this, that, and the other. And I didn't know how they were coming out of the woodwork. But being able to at least equate it to, I see my dragon as like blowing fire and just like clearing and moving space for me and just that kind of I am here and then that strength and that energy that you need to draw from and that's what I was getting after that. And it was just beautiful how it all kind of just lined up. Yeah. And mine is, I don't think we talked about this, a water dragon and more like a like a Japanese dragon. It doesn't have okay. wings or anything. It's a little more serpentine. Mine has the wings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so they, they do have their little differences. And I remember in shaman school when I first saw it, I think I might have mentioned this to you. I was terrified because I was like, oh, no, if I tell people what I saw, it's a big black dragon raising its head up out of Lake Michigan, you know, the lakefront in downtown Chicago where I lived with a big yellow eye at night, they're going to think I'm evil. Like if it's, More that you're crazy or you're lost yes. your shit. Yeah. Well, and it was in like shaman school and everyone was saying <laughs> kind of crazy shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like, part, that part, that yeah. part. And, well, there was a Native American woman and she gave me a feather and I was like, oh, mine's not like the other kids. This is not going to go well. And they're like, Rachel, I was like, no, pass. I'll, uh, I'll talk about it some other time. And I followed my my teacher's instructions. She said, go back in and ask it, you know, what is your name? What are you here to teach me? What am I here to do? And I did again. I was like, here we go. This big, scary black dragon. Right. 
And I asked it its name and all of a sudden in a total valley girl voice, I'm not kidding, clueless, Barbie movie. <laughs> I remember you saying this. I forgot yeah, until just and now. I, and, and yeah, like, like, hello. Hello. Oh, my God. I'm here to teach you how to have fun. And I, it's not what you would expect at all. <laughs> And I was so glad I did that because I realized what's what's funny about it, and it's it's sort of paradoxical, but it, it's not, is it's it manages boundaries for me in this major way. But I also think because it manages my boundaries, it's a joy guide in that I get to be a little Light freer, and fun. yeah, and playful and fun and do psychic stuff. And it took me on its back and took me up to the moon. And I remember saying, "I can't breathe up here," and she goes, "You're fine. You could totally breathe in space." <laughs> and we're just going to the moon. Like, look at all these things you can do. And they're not scary. But I was like, this is wild. Like, it was super fun. And in honor of the year of the Wood Dragon, which is coming up on February 10th, probably that date will be after we release this, unfortunately. But I got a big um, silk screen of a Japanese dragon. It's kind of dark and mysterious looking in my living room. And it's funny because people come over and they're like, woof. That's an intense image. And I'm like, see, to me, it, it's joyful. It evokes that feeling I got from that meditation I did. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's a fire breathing, like wings and everything. Not scary, but just shit. like truly like just get out of my way. And it only shows up when it's get out of my way. Not me, but just, yeah. And the only, and I, and just because I think I kind of glossed over this, the way I knew is I felt the energy around me kind of similar to my spirit team. And I'm like, I have dragon energy around me. What the hell does that mean? Not really sure. And it wasn't until I was on the table and my Reiki master, who was also teaching me Reiki and stuff, was like, you have a dragon around you. And it just came up and I was like, oh my God. Because I, similar to you, I didn't tell anyone. And that's when I knew, I mean, you can make some stuff up or in your mind you think you yeah. are, but when somebody else, third party, no background says that, it's kind of cool when it, when you get that validation. It is cool. And, it, you know, I would also like to point out, you know, boundary work whether it's in real life with people like just out at the office or whatever it is, children, relatives, or spiritual boundary work, it has a feeling to it where it's kind of like it, it's a little unpleasant. It feels like work or maybe it feels a little dark, like saying no. If you had to give it a quality, is it light or is it dark? You might say dark. But darkness is not evil. And I think in our world, especially in the new age space or the, the world of woo, as I call it, saying no or um, having firm lines, people view that negatively. Mm -hmm. um, it's really interesting. And, you know, you need that stuff. And, and just because something's, quote, negative, or it's in that dark space in a, in a um, yin yang model, right? It doesn't mean it's bad. And, and I think for whatever reason, our society assigns it a negative value, like it feels bad. Mm -hmm. And it's not. Nighttime isn't evil. It's just dark, you know. And Same we need it for the next day. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. We need that for the next day for the light to come through. Yeah. And speaking of light, angels. What's funny is, you know, I for whatever reason I think the dragons kind of know the angels. I don't know what that whole story is, but they seem to be very chill with each other. Well, because the dragons protect the seraphim and protect Inter gods. So when yeah. you look at that quote unquote, you know how I feel about hierarchy. I don't like that. But when you look at like the levels, it's not even really levels as much as it's roles. The dragons protect the God source energy that we're all connected to. 
and then there's the seraphim and they're kind of core. So it's interesting you put, you brought that correlation together. Where you're like, I don't yeah. know if about that because they work together. But it's, it's like, not. A, but it's not a. But also, why is in Japanese and Asian culture, dragons are angels. Yeah. But we think about it from a Christian or a Catholic or you know other religious like you know what I mean. But they're they're they yeah. exist for a reason somehow in our lore, so to speak. Well, when you get into Kabbalah, like I do, you know, my my spectrum hobbies, as I like to call them, and you learn Hebrew. And right now, I'm reading translations of Sumerian cuneiform, their religious texts. Um, dragons, the dragons of Eden is a thing, and Yahweh and the high level angels. To your point, mm-hmm. they're they're connected, and mm-hmm. I think going into this year of the wood dragon too, wood is all about new growth. And I, I wrote about this on Substack. So the dragons, you know, boundaries, restriction, dragon years, there tends to be conflict in the world. But with wood dragon, it's not negative conflict. It's like that conversation you need to have either individually or collectively. And it's also a time of like innovation, of free thinking, free speaking of the individual, you know, breaking out. It's very meritocratic. Like um, if you were to go to a martial arts class which I, I don't. I've signed up for Aikido, but I haven't been yet. I'm an old woman. I'm scared. Like, you know, you could have all the, you could talk all the game in the world, but you might get tapped out because you're just not as good as the other person. But one day you might tap someone and that's, you've won, quote unquote, meritocratically, like you've earned it. Um, so it'll be an interesting time on planet Earth, I think, with that energy. And I also think for people like you and I or anyone listening to this who does spiritual work and the wood dragon in feng shui, I Ching, it's associated with like a redwood tree. Mm-hmm. So the tree's reaching up. So spiritual growth and spiritual industries are going to explode this year. Everyone's going to be looking up at the sky, thinking about what's up there, who's up there, what are we? Whole another conversation. Only, <laughs> right? For another day. Well, if you mean fire-breathing things in the sky? Uh, that Perhaps. Dropping in Miami, all those things. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Right? Yeah. That The minute I saw that, and I, you know, being psychic, I'm always like, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. And that one seemed the most bullshitty. And I was like, I don't know why, but that one's true. Like, that was one of those weird that, moments. Yeah. I feel like Let's that's the side. Do you want to? Um, Let's do it. Yeah. So because people can you, may go, not... can you go can you go a little over? I can. Yeah, totally. You can. Okay. Yeah, people and... may not tune into the same uh, weird shit you and I are tuned into. It's so funny because every random thing that I would think no one knows about, you're always like, yeah, about Miami. I'm like, <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk about that. Because I, so yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm, gonna, I'm not sure. Yeah. Why don't why don't you kind of set the for yeah. people that are like, what's going on in Miami? Because by the way, just side note. Um, in my PR job, I do have a team in Miami and every day we have what's called like this news bureau, like what's going on in the news and everything. And so of course I'm like, are there aliens in Miami? You guys are there on the ground. Let me know. Tell me. And there were two camps. They were like, this is BS. And then there were other people, which surprised me that they were like, I don't know. I've heard some things and we think this. And I, it shocked me because these are not spiritual people. These are just PR people doing right. a day job so set the set the stage Rachel so, there were <laughs> 911 calls to the police about creatures humanoid upright bipedal creatures in a mall in Miami it's an outdoor mall and they were taller than the average person and you know people were panicked people were shooting at them with guns right 
And if you got to see it live-ish, people were sending me things from Twitter. So I got on there in my little sock account where I hide and do weird stuff and look at weird stuff. And it was something like uh, almost a hundred cop cars on their way there. It looked like a like, like a terror, were, like like it was a terrorist yes. attack on Miami or something. Mm-hmm. And then very quickly they de-escalated it to it was some kids with sticks, firecrackers. I thought was it sticks that or was a firecracker? Yeah, sticks okay. for a minute, firecrackers. And I'm like, you don't send a goddamn. Cop they cars. closed down the airspace, the government. Right. Like yeah. The other thing I heard is that um, there were some people on TikTok that, which, of course, going back to social media and what can you believe on TikTok and all that kind of stuff. But there was one person and I'll find it and I'll send it to you where he did a, a video and he said this is what was happening. And he said it almost kind of like, you know, like the glimmer man or when you yeah, watch. The, I saw yeah, yeah. And then it's like it was like kind of pulling out or whatever and showing up and then disappearing. He's like, that's what was happening. And then he, the video was deleted and then he said it was fake. But then he came back and he said, I didn't delete the video and it wasn't fake. So there's just all of this information out there about what's real, what were people capitalize on, capitalizing Mm -hmm. on, like all of that. It It was wild. Well, and you and I spoke about this privately. I'll just speak for myself. But last year was my first experience um, with a UAP in my life that I recall. And ahead of that, someone who's famous, adjacent, high up, former government, and I connected. And I think it's interesting because I'm not exactly a public figure. And that happening and then having that experience. And I spoke with him about it. And he's involved in the UAP disclosure legislation like behind the scenes and former DOD Senate. Which is when you know it's legit when it's a behind the scenes person too. (laughs) Yeah. Who has uh, back in the day been on on Joe Rogan and was very Mm -hmm. tight lipped. And Joe was like, come on, man, you know, things tell me. And he was just being a classic spook and not saying much. I said, you're going to think I'm nuts. But between when we first had contact and this conversation, this is what happened to me. And he goes, that's not uncommon. And was very cool with me. And on a psychic level, I thought, this guy's curious. Uh, there's something cool about him that I can't. And he's not out. He's not a personality in this. He's not out seeking attention. But he's why did a, he reach out to you? Right. And, and <laughs> you, don't have to an- you don't have to answer that. But <laughs> I'm just publicly. But I'm just saying, like, you had this experience yeah. You didn't talk about it. You didn't he post reached out about it. for the experience. Oh, I and see. Okay. It happened. And then, and we talked. And that's why I was like, you're going to think I'm full of shit. He goes, au contraire, this happens. I see. You're not the okay. first one. And the same week, another psychic friend of mine, someone from Los Alamos Governmental Technologies reached out to him about a job out of nowhere. Hmm. And Los Alamos, in case anyone's wondering, is where we did our, our nuclear testing. Uh, the Trinity test. So the film Oppenheimer takes place at Los Alamos labs. And that's where Bob Lazar said he worked on UFOs and things. So it's interesting. Um, and he and I were both very paranoid for several weeks afterwards. And I was uh, like, as would I be. Him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing ever came of it. But what was wild was the telepathic uh, message, at least one of them, the crux of it from this UAP in my backyard um, was like, we're going to be all over the news soon. We're not going away. And this is going to be a big thing. Cause I, I just had, you know, cause you're thinking in real time and it's hearing your thoughts or mm-hmm. whatever. 
And I was like, oh my God, should I tell people? Like, how do I handle this? And it was like, you don't have to tell anybody. We're going to be all over the news. This is going to be a thing. And I and think now, that's And now it is a thing, like with Miami too. So do you think it was real? What do you think happened? Yeah. Yeah. And just intuitively. And it's almost but like what? Crazy... But why? But why? Like, why do they go to a mall? Why are they showing up there? I know you don't have the answers, I but I'm asking you everywhere. the questions I have in my mind. Yeah, I think they're everywhere. I think they've been here. And one thing that um, this individual said when he was on Joe Rogan's podcast back in the day was he believes they are extraterrestrial, meaning uh, not extraterrestrial, not of the ultra terrestrial, meaning they're from here. They're as oh. indigenous to here as we are, if not more so. And we've always lived among them. And maybe they're not in our visible spectrum of light. Hmm. Maybe they're carbon based or, you know, you had some theories he threw out but um it was fascinating it was really 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 interesting and that same day the sky was wild so it came with this weird storm the only time my dog ever didn't want to come outside with me usually he lunges vertically in the backyard to chase squirrels and wouldn't come outside me i should have like something was up (laughs) he's like i don't need any smoke but um (laughs) the skies were so unusual never forget because joe rogan and several other famous people live in austin he posted, if you go to his Instagram and you look back last year, I want to say it was early May when this happened. I know you sent he, it to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was like, look at the sky. Mm-hmm. And it looked like all these plasma like orbs. It was the wildest shit. And it wasn't even supposed to rain. It wasn't supposed to storm that day. It was bright day right up until that moment. So it was an interesting experience. And I think dragon years in Chinese culture and, you know, the names for their emperors were yeah, bring us back. <laughs> dragon it's all thematically there's there's ties of you know things in the sky and fire and weather with the concept of dragons and also the concept of empire and frankly like bloodlines Mm. it's fascinating it's it's much more pervasive in eastern cultures than it is here uh japan china india things like that if you look in there vedas for instance it's a lot of this and it's tied in with the nuggets and the sky dragons and Stuff like that. So I don't know. I'm open-minded. It's that redwood tree reaching out to the sky. We'll see. Too much for me to kind of keep up with when it comes to the year of the dragon and all that other kind of stuff other than I know intuitively I was asking my angels, all right, what does this year look like? You know, you can look Mm -hmm. astrologically. You can look at all that other kind of stuff. And the biggest message that I was getting from them is that this is going to be the year of abundance. But also when they when they talk about abundance, they don't mean abundance in terms of money and everything else. Mm-hmm. They're talking about abundance in all things, spiritual growth, prosperity, and health and wealth and love and all of that because we have collectively gotten to such a point of our thoughts, talking about manifestation or our feelings, creating things in such a way, which is why I think whether it's our guides and angels or it's extraterrestrial, ultra-terrestrials, or dragons, or whatever it is, are just showing up in a more prominent way, but also because we're just starting to become more open to this. And yeah. so whether you want to talk about conspiracy theories or anything else, the what you're going to see on the news and all of that is going to be a big way for misinformation to distract from that inward journey of yeah. what it is that we're trying to do. I say we, meaning god universe source like what the light wants to do to co-create and that's what i was getting and so it's just it's fascinating to me i kind of have to chuckle and laugh every time there's something in the news whether it's aliens or others because it's just like believe it now because it's out there (laughs) 
well, it's I not going to be away any. It's not going away anywhere anytime soon. No, I pulled an I Ching coin. It's sort of like if runes and tarot had a had a baby, right? I, I pulled one of those for the year of the dragon, and it the name of it was Malting. And it's the energy of, you know, and it's also tied to revolution, mm. like political revolutions, upheavals. But the description of it is, you know, as a species, as a collective, we are shedding like a snake molts its old scat. Yeah, that and makes sense. becoming something else. And I also thought, what a weird image of a snake shedding skin for the dragon year. Like it was a little creepy. Well, it's re- it's a reptile. Years. It's, it's yeah. like a dragon, a snake. Yeah, that makes sense it, energetically. So many of the I Ching coins are things like the well, the sun, the mountain. The, of all of them, I was like, oh boy, that's a little on the nose. Here we go. So it's going to be exciting. And what's interesting, too, is they say uh, wood dragon years, they because wood dominates earth and feng shui and I Ching in Chinese medicine, that earth um, industries are going to have a hard time. Things like our currency, mm. our real estate, which is oil. inevitable, oil. Um, that there is a tendency to war, but hopefully we can abate it with ideas and diplomacy. And the thing that really struck me too is as psychics, I think people think of all of us as empaths and we're highly emotional and all of that. But I think sometimes when you get into psychic work, it's a lot of data and you have to be really open-minded, actually. And it's a year where it's going to be facts over feelings, but like real facts. And the molting, so releasing maybe old beliefs as a group. I mean, can you imagine if those things actually started landing and everyone saw creatures like in the Miami Mall? I'd be like, finally, we're here. I mean, you and me, but (laughs) a lot of other people would be screaming and running for the hills. I'd be like, oh, hey, hi. I I, I do think, anyway, that's a whole side note, but it's desensitizing. They're dropping things to desensitize yeah. us to get to that point, but that's a whole nother thing. So our brains don't break completely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like I just want to, you know, get you ready. Oh, it's so fascinating. Do you want to pull a, a tarot card, Nicole? And while I'm sure, just, like, why don't you tell everybody where to get your awesome new book? And you, you have a co-author on it, and I want if you could just mention that yes. his name, what yeah. it is. It, it's on Amazon, you know, but anywhere else they can maybe get it. Yeah. So it's a, so it's called Looking for Angels, A Guide to Understanding and Connecting with Angels. It's by Scott Guerin and myself. And Scott decided to write this book to really look into angels from a scientific, a religious, and a psychological perspective. And so he brings that earth or that wood, the facts, the data to it. And then the balance of it is modern day angels and what those really are, what they mean to us. I don't talk about extraterrestrials, but we do get into the angelic hierarchy and how to connect. And I provide a lot of exercises in my portion that is about how you can continue to work with your spirit team. So that is the book. And yes, you can get it if you go to lookingforangelsbook.com, but also Amazon, Walmart, Target, your favorite bookstore, Barnes and Noble. Barnes and Noble, it's available wherever you want to get your books. And we are reading it for the February Totem Book Club on Substack. I'm stoked because I've been reading the reviews because, you know, I went on Amazon and I was like, the exer- I'm stoked for exercises, frankly. I know that sounds kind of silly. Oh, no. and like- please provide feedback. I mean, I constructive criticism, welcome. This worked for me. This didn't or this, uh, that or the other. But yes, the exercises, ultimately, I would say the book is great when you have the printed version because you can go back and you can make notes and refer back. 
but we also did an audiobook version. So if you want to, you know, kind of be blissfully unaware and just kind of tune in that way, the exercises are done throughout the book, but also we have an appendix at the end, which is actual bonus additions for people. So everyone seems to love the exercises. Like they're mm-hmm. really doing them and it's work. It's just, it, you must feel so happy to read those and be like, oh my God, people are making contact with their angels. I, yes. And, but it's also that from the humble place, because it's like, I know it's real and it can happen. You know, it's real. It can happen because you do it. But when people just try it and they think, oh, this is so simple, is it going to work? And then it does. That's what lights me up because it doesn't have to be so hard. You don't need to take a class. You don't need to take a course. You don't need to go to other practitioners. It's really about empowering people to do this on their own. So I, um, yeah, I'm AM thrilled. I'm very happy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I'm selling a book. I mean, I make a dollar off of each book or $2 off of each book. It's not that. It's about just giving somebody a tool yeah. to be empowered moving forward. Um. So I pulled a totem tarot card because, as you know, the totem tarot deck is our sponsor. And they're, <laughs> I have they're a deck. A, you have a deck. Everybody a else get client. a deck. If we don't do a card pull, man, <laughs> it's a real problem for me around here. Um, the uh, the Seven of Crystals card, this is the divine timing. And this card is associated with a moment of literal fruition or ripening. The time is exactly right. And like that sliding doors confluence energy of you've been vigilant, you've been doing work, but now here comes the opportunity or the moment and the intersection of those two things you know they say luck is uh preparation meeting opportunity right and that's really this card is like the uh fruits ripening on the tree seven is my spiritual number and crystals are my jam i love this this is a great card because it's nice and gentle too they're not hitting us <laughs> so, over the head with too much hopefully yeah, I was like this because I really do shuffle and just blind pull. And I'm like, this could go a lot of different directions. I'm always <laughs> grateful that the deck, thank God, has never has never fully traumatized me or a guest yet today, which that's I'm good. About. Yeah, that's they're not good. Like, oh. I have yet to get the devil card. So whew, that's going to be your next. So that's going to be your next guest. You know it. You know, it's. Yeah. Now that I've said it, here we go. Um Thank you so much, Nicole. Everybody loves you. A Psychic Story podcast is, I'm going to level with you, the only spiritual podcast I listen to outside of that. It's dumb comedy stuff and other things I don't know anything about because I, I usually try to like bleach my brain after doing stuff all day long. Like I listen to a Real Housewives podcast. <laughs> it's so stupid. But yours is great and your guests are great and you're so sincere and authentic. So thank you so much. Everyone listening to this, Please subscribe to her podcast. It's really, really good. She spends a lot of time and thought and energy doing it the right way. And thank you, Nicole. Thank you, Rachel. I hope you enjoy your MMA, MWA. I will. Tonight's a (laughs) pay-per-view, kids, of cage fighting. The other thing I like to do to come down from my day of psychic work. Take care. Here at the Skeptical Shaman Podcast, we have a few sponsors that make all of these incredible conversations and discussions possible. Please take a moment to listen to a word from our sponsors. Are you feeling disconnected from magic? Do you find yourself staring out the window in your nondescript workplace wishing you were among the trees in the sunlight? Are you being slowly drained by your office energy vampire? You know the one. They won't stop talking about how our cat is at the vet for the third time this month. 
is the disembodied hand you purchased from a traveler acting up at night, opening drawers in your bedside table and disrupting your circadian rhythms? Well, totem flower essences might be right for you. Purchase totem flower essences on Etsy, and one drop of these magical potions can alchemically transmute your energy body, arming you with unmitigated powers of sorcery. Totem flower essences, be ungovernable. Totem flower essences are handmade by an emotionally unstable and morally dubious shaman, potentially injecting your life with raw chaos and magic in the attention of various pagan gods. Use responsibly.